Chapel of the Harbor. Join with us now as Pastor Joe concludes his two-part message in the book of Proverbs, chapter 23. The Holy Spirit in mighty ways in these last days to give us that discernment that we need because how are we going to know who is the one that not, you know, not to talk to? How do we know the difference? And I believe it is a supernatural thing where the Lord by his Holy Spirit will show you because come on, I mean, think of this. When I was at the door, back to that story, I'm at the door with this person and I, I was going through that struggle a little bit like, is this God or am I just being, you know, is this, you know, is this really the Lord? But when I, when I really, you know, you know, prayed in my heart, my mind, I felt strongly it was the Holy Spirit saying, no, I want you to go on. Lord, help us not to spend much time in arguments for they will despise the wisdom of your words. Don't speak in their hearing. The Lord will show you. Verse 10, back in our Proverbs 23, verse 10. Do not remove the ancient landmark, nor enter the fields of the fatherless, for their Redeemer is mighty. He will plead their cause against you. Basically, don't take advantage of those that are less fortunate, because if you do, God himself will deal with you. That's a strong one, isn't it? <laughs> Did you get that? Verse 11 again. For their Redeemer, capital R, speaking of the Lord, is mighty and he'll plead their cause against you. So don't take advantage of the fatherless. God is the father to the fatherless. Don't take advantage of those that are less fortunate. Go out of your way to help them. Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to the words of knowledge. A great exhortation to do what we're doing right now. Receiving the instruction of the word and the knowledge of the word. And we're just sitting here hanging out. But apply your heart. Not only listen to it, but apply your heart to it. Apply those things that you're, that you're hearing. Do not withhold correction from a child. For if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. It depends on how you read it. It can sound very cruel, can it? It was funny. I was, I was reading this last night. Before I went to bed, I was reading through this. And, and as I was reading, I says, you know, I'm gonna, this is how I was reading it to my wife, just to be silly. I says, do not withhold correction from a child. If you beat him <laughs> with a rod, he will not die. And it just went on. And I said, he, you shall beat him with a rod <laughs> and deliver his soul from hell. So if you read it like that, it sounds pretty cruel. But... I don't believe that's what it's saying. You know, it's not to be something that's cruel. It's to be a corrective way, you know, to if your son or daughter or, you know, if they're, they're unruly, they need to be corrected and not to be spoiled. Um, a disciplined, the disciplined child is the most loved child. 
Really, I mean, you think about, think through that for a minute. The disciplined child is the most loved child. When you, when you see a parent not taking the time to discipline their children, it's like they're not really loving them. They're not taking the time, and they're, they're loving themselves more than the, their child because they don't want to deal with it. They, they don't want to you know, deal with that, you know, the discipline that it takes. And really, they're loving themselves. They're not loving their children. But when you love your child you're going to take the time to correct them. We talked about this last week. You know, it's not, you're just, you know, it's never you're venting on your children because you're so upset. If it, don't correct your child if you're upset and you're going to just vent on them. That's not at all what you do. But you're correcting them because you love them and you see they're going the wrong way and they need to be corrected. And you sit them down and talk with them and say, well, if this happens again, you know, you're going to get a spanking. If it happens again, you know, you, do you understand that you're doing this wrong? And you're teaching them. Remember we looked at last week, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he grows old, he won't depart. The training is showing them, being an example. But then when they're not going that way, then you, you teach them. And you show them. Correction, it's saying, will not kill the child. But check this out. But if you're not correcting him, it might kill him and bring eternal death, separation from God for all eternity. That's heavy. That's strong. And that's a big responsibility to realize that, you know, if you allow allow them just to do what they want and get away with everything and just, you know, do their own thing, you could possibly, you might be training them in a way that they might just walk away from God for all eternity and not desire the things of the Lord. God corrects the ones he loves. If there's anyone in here that is not receiving the correction of the Lord, I fear for you. I'm serious. If you're not receiving a correction from God, then that's a a terrible place to be because the Bible says that you're illegitimate. In other words, you're not his child. God corrects me. When I was growing up, I hated it. I get caught. Everything I try to do something wrong, I get caught. I knew it was God. My mother passed away when I was five months old. And I, I believe with all my heart, the Lord showed me on her deathbed, she dedicated me to the, the work of the Lord. And I didn't understand that when I was young. And I would do something, I'd get in trouble, and I'd get caught instantly. And I would talk to God and say, why do I always have to get in trouble? Nobody else is getting in trouble. I always get in trouble. And I would argue with God. Now I'm looking at, wow, he, boy, did he love me. <laughs> And he corrects the ones the Bible says he chastens. He corrects those that he loves. He corrects. So again, if you're not being corrected by God, that's a very scary place to be. And if you're, if you're in sin right now, you're practicing sin, you're not convicted, you're not, you know, and you're, you're just going through the motions, that's a very scary place to be in. And if I was you, if I was in your shoes, I would cry out to God and say, Lord, I want to be your child. And he'll correct you, but he's doing it because he loves you and he knows the right way to go. And he knows what's good for us. And that's the example for us as we raise up our children and train them up. The correction. God corrects us. And I just, again, just exhort you. You know, that's it's a heavy verse, verse 14. You may deliver his soul from death. Verse 15, my son, if your heart is wise, my heart will rejoice. Indeed, I myself, yes, my inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak right things. Solomon is speaking here about his son. He's like, son, if your heart's wise, I'm going to rejoice. 
parents here, I'm sure you can say yes and amen to this. When your children are walking in the ways of God and they're, they're speaking about the things of the Lord, isn't that a, a great thing? Isn't, I'm, I'm, I can just imagine. I can't even imagine how that would be. As I'm looking at some here that have children that are in ministry and just how that must feel, just having your children, just serving the Lord and speaking the things of God. And Solomon saying that, he says, you know, I'm going to rejoice. If your heart is wise and you're speaking right things, I'm rejoicing. I have to tell you, as a pastor, the pastor of this church, when I see people, like I'm looking at people that have just recently given their lives to the Lord, and I'm watching them walking in the right ways and seeking God and seeking the ways of the Lord, asking me questions, what about this, what about that? After Sunday service on Sunday, we had people ask me, what, is it, what about this? And what does the Bible say about that? And where do I find that in the Bible? I'm just lit up. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a rejoicing in me when I see, you know, people walking in the ways of the Lord, wanting the things of God, speaking right things, desiring things that are of God. Parents, do your best. I'm sure you are, but just exhorting you again, just pour into those children of yours. Pour into them. Solomon says, my heart will rejoice indeed. I myself, yes, my inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak right things. I can relate with that. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day. For surely there is a hereafter and your hope will not be cut off. Don't envy those that are sinners. I guess that can happen if you see uh, somebody prospering and they're, they're not walking with God. It's like, why are they doing so well? What are they, you know, how come they're doing so well? How come it seems like they're always, you know, they don't have troubles like I have and all, all that kind of stuff and you're watching them and that's being envious of them. Don't do that. Instead, be zealous for the fear of the Lord. In other words, you know, be zealous for reverencing God. Just turn around. If, that's, if you get enticed in that way to, to look at other people and how they're prospering, you know, turn around and just reverence the Lord. Just turn to Him. Why? Well, look at that. There's a hereafter. In other words, wait till we get to the other side. If they're still sinners, what's going to happen with them? This is as good as it'll get for them. Sad enough. But for us, this is the worst it gets for us. There's a hereafter. We're pilgrims. We're just passing through this place. There is a hereafter. Heaven. Where there's no more tears. There's no more death. There's no more pain. There's no more crying. There's no more, you know, just no suffering. So this, the exhortation, just reverence the Lord. Fear the Lord. Walk in his ways. Because you know what? There's a hereafter. We're going to heaven. And our hope will not be cut off. Nothing can stop that. Hear my son and be wise and guide your heart in the way. Do not mix with wine bibbers or with gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty and drowsiness will clothe the man with rags. Wow. I think it's been a warning all the way through, hasn't it? <laughs> So be wise. How are we to be wise? Well, don't hang out with those that are, are drunkards, those that are, that are gluttonous, because they're going you know, to have poverty. An exhortation to be wise when you choose your, 
your friends, young folks again, as you're here. Be wise when you choose your friends, who you hang out with. You know, don't hang out with those that are going to be a bad influence on you guys. Hang out with those that are going to be a good influence. That's, you know, I just want to say with the congregation here, I am so blessed at what is going on in the youth group. And if you don't know what's going on in the youth group, please, Pastor Chad's up front here. He'd love to share with you what's going on in the youth group. These kids that are here, these young ladies, these young, the young men that, that are here, God is doing such a work in them. It is so exciting to see how the Lord's working in them. What a blessing. And as, you know, the congregation, I just want to exhort us, all of us, let's do our best to pour into these young people. Let's do our best to encourage them in the things of the Lord. But one thing, as you see here, you know, watch out who you guys hang out with and for all of us, but also 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. I remember years ago, my half-brother, after my father and my stepmother were divorced and they moved out to Idaho, I believe, and then they moved a couple different places. And, and my half-brother, he just started hanging out with the wrong crowd and it was terrible. Him and his friends were breaking into homes. They were doing drugs. They were doing all kinds of stuff. And it was basically, he was a follower. He hung out with the wrong crowd. And so I just want to exhort you, just, just take heed. And for all of us, these the wine-bibbers and the gluttonous people. Verse 22, listen to your father who begot you and do not despise your mother when she is old. So listen to your parents, the importance of uh, taking heed to your parents. I want to add to that just a little short thing. If your parents have you do something that's not biblical, that's you know, something that's, you know, that's wrong or stealing or anything like that, no, you, don't, you, you listen to God before that. But if it's biblical... Pay attention. Listen to your parents. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Also, wisdom and instruction and understanding. Buy truth. Another, it's the picture of, you know, truth is so important. You, if you had to, you should pay for it. And look at this. You know, tonight, this is truth. Everything that we're reading here, God's word is true. And it's truth that we're reading. It's soaking in. It's, it's getting in our thoughts. It's getting in our hearts. And it's free. Also, wisdom and instruction and understanding the importance of receiving wisdom, receiving instruction from the Lord. Verse 24, the father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. And he who begets a wise son will delight in him. Isn't that true? Even when I've spoke to some of the parents that are the, the, the youth that are coming here, and even ones that you know, aren't really fully walking with the Lord, they're rejoicing that their child is, is seeking the things of God. You know, they, even someone that's not walking with the Lord, they see the benefit of their, their children walking in the ways of the Lord. So they rejoice, of course. Let your father and your mother be glad and let her who bore you rejoice. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. For a harlot is a deep pit, and a seductress is a narrow well. She also lies in wait as for a victim and increases the unfaithful among men. Beware of the seductress. So important. (laughs) Throughout the the Proverbs, there's the warning. Beware of the seductress. Beware of those that will seduce you. And 
especially for the men. You know, watch out, beware of, of seduction. And notice, notice the, the warning, you know, for a harlot is a deep pit. Almost like it's talking like a grave. In other words, if you want to go down to the grave, then follow after the harlot. And the seductress, the narrow well, is a, it's a, basically a, a narrow pit. In other words, if you think of a narrow pit, think of this. If you fall into a narrow pit and it goes down real deep, it's saying it's, it's hard to get out. So if, you, if you're following a seductress or if you're following one that's going to make you fall in, in, in a sexual way, it's going, to, it's going to be hard to get out. So the warning is, you know, when you see a pit, when you see a, a narrow pit and you look down, you're like, that's, it's going down for miles or whatever. It's like you avoid it like the plague. Stay away. So that's that picture of avoid it like a plague. Stay far away from it, especially, again, for the young. Just avoid it. Avoid those things. Stay far away. And then verses 29 all the way to the end. It's basically talking about the drunkard, but check it out. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long at the wine. Those who go in search of mixed wine. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea or like one who lies on the top of a mast saying, they have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake that I may seek another drink? Whoa. I don't know if you noticed, but uh, the Bible doesn't talk too highly about being drunk, does it? <laughs> Who has woe? The word woe means a passionate cry of despair or grief. So a drunkard does. They, they're in despair. They have sorrow. They have contention. They complain. They have redness of eyes. They, they have wounds without cause. They don't even know where their wounds came from because they were drunk. And they're like, I don't know where I got this. Verse 31, it says, Do not look at the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. You know, that enticement you have just looking at it. There's a, there's a temptation. I don't even drink. And reading this, I'm like, that, you know, just the sound of it. It's like, wow, that looks, this sounds good. You know, <laughs> the wine when it's swirling. And, then, and, you know, and I've seen being at a restaurant, I look at someone's table, and sometimes I'll look at it and say, that looks good. You know, it has, it's like there's an enticement there to, for drunkenness. There's an enticement to drink. Again, as adult Christians, um, the Bible teaches strongly drunkenness, even right here, you can't miss it, but uh, very strongly throughout the, the New Testament in different places, talks about those that are, are drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You will not go to heaven if you're a drunkard. And that's scary. Those, I, I have personal friends of mine. I don't, I don't feel I have the liberty. I'm a pastor and just the... I don't believe I have the liberty to drink. I just, but I don't. I don't, you know, my wife, we don't drink. But I have friends, again, that they have the liberty. They have a glass of wine with their, their meal, and they, they don't get drunk, and they don't, you know. And I, I would just exhort a person, if you're here, to say, that's great, but just make sure, you know, you're not enticing somebody else that's, that, that might fall. Maybe you can have one drink, but your friend that might go out to dinner with you, maybe they can't just have one. So just be discerning with that and know or... But drunkenness, look at this. 
So don't be enticed when it swirls. If, you, if you're one that, that gets drunk when you're drinking, and then don't deceive yourself. I, I want to just say that also. Don't deceive yourself. I also know some that, you know, they say, well, I don't get drunk. Well, they get drunk, they don't realize they're drunk. They, everybody else knows they're drunk. And I, I just have three or four with my meal, you know. It's like I can barely walk to the car, but I don't get drunk. And I would just say for that, no, don't deceive yourself. If, if your family members, if your wife or your husband, and they're saying, hey, buddy, or hey, you're getting drunk, you know, listen to them. Because you're, you're being self-deceived. It bites like a serpent. It stings like a viper. In other words, you're, it's dangerous what you're playing with. It's going to bite you. It's going to hurt you. A viper, a serpent, it's deadly. If you're in this category, it, it's a very dangerous thing. If you're here today and you're, you're deceiving yourself, saying that, that, oh, no, I'm okay, but you're getting drunk, and the Bible makes it very clear, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You will not. The Bible makes it very clear. And that's what this picture is. It's going to be like a snake. It's going to, be, it's going to kill you spiritually, and you're, you're being deceived. And I'm not saying this to condemn you or to come down. I'm saying this to say, you know, the word of God teaches this. And if it's you, bring it before the Lord and ask the Lord to deliver you and turn from it. Because it will destroy you. It'll destroy you on this earth as we're going to look at other things that's going to happen. But, but it's going to destroy you for all eternity if you continue in that. Your eyes will see strange things. Well, I can say amen when I, before I knew the Lord, when I drank, my eyes saw some strange things when I was drunk, Yes. Your heart will utter perverse things. Yeah, you'll say things you don't mean to say. You'll be one that lies in the midst of the sea. In other words, you ever see, you know, drunkards walking like this? You know, it's like you won't be able to, to walk straight. And they'll say that they, someone struck me, but I didn't, it didn't hurt. They've beaten me. I didn't feel it. Their senses are all messed up. And then when it ends, they have all these problems. But they say, Pour me another. That means they're, they're deceiving themselves. We're closing in this. Ephesians 5.18 says, And do not be drunk with wine, which is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And you would wonder, I would wonder, when I first read this the first time, I'm like, that's strange. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And Why is that in the same verse? Drunk? Spirit, I don't think there's any mistake at all. Either you're under the influence of the alcohol, but God would rather you be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. When someone's under the influence of alcohol and they're drunk, you can see it a mile away. You can tell in their speech what they're saying. Oh, when once someone's filled with the Holy Spirit, you can tell a mile away. You can tell in their speech. As we close, let's be filled with the Spirit. Sunday morning has been speaking to me over and over and over and over and over again. I need more of the empowerment. I need more of the leading. I need more of the guidance. I need more of the guidance and leading and and all that the Holy Spirit has. And I want more of the leading and guiding and influence of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I pray that that would be the same for every one of us here. 
that this dying world around us, this evil world, in many ways, as you see things going on that are just getting worse and worse, that we would shine. When, there, when a, a light's on in the daytime, you can't see it too well, but when you have a bright light on when it's night, you can see it from a long distance, from a far distance. In these last days, I pray that we would let our light so shine before men that people would see our good works and they would glorify our Father which is in heaven. So the final exhortation, let's be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let us not be drunk with wine which is in excess. Let us be filled, continually, overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Let us watch the supernatural work of God in spite of us as we yield ourselves to Him. The throne of mercy It's the sound of our singing praise It's the sound of our singing praise You have been listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettig and Outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our service times are Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory. As we come to Your throne of mercy, it's the sound of our singing praise. It's the sound of our singing praise.